0: Hey, this is Bradley Weber. I'm the pastor of Release City Church, and this is our podcast. I'm super excited that you tuned in, and I really hope today's message encourages you, gives you a sense of hope, and inspires you to pursue all that God has created you to be. Now, let's jump right into today's message. So, we kicked off this talk last week entitled When Life. It Get, gets tough. Anybody had one of those tough weeks this week? Adam's talking about running into running into um, uh, uh, tailgate hitches on his truck and and hitting his thumb with a hammer. And let me tell you something: the devil would do. All, well, it ain't always the devil. Sometimes it's us, because that he didn't just put that that hitch there. It had been there. Amen. Hello. Now, let me move off that because, you know, we tight. I don't want to mess nothing up. But anyway, sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes it's us. But he will use our stuff to get us frustrated. Yes, he will. And so I started things off last week, and I asked this question, and I'll ask it again. What do we do when life gets tough? I know what we're prone to do, but what should we do when life gets tough? When, when being married gets tough, oh, me. When raising kids, it's cute when they're babies and, and, they, and nice little poop and all that kind of stuff. But when their poop turns into other stuff, and I, I'm, I'm, now I'm talking about they make a big old mess out here in life. Hello. What do we do? You can't take them back to Walmart with a receipt and go, hey, God, I, we, can I get a refund on this deal? Mm-mm. So it's our natural instinct. That when we go through a tough season or somebody hurts our feelings or, 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 or something happens and we experience a hurt, it is our natural instinct to protect ourselves from experiencing that hurt again or experiencing that pain again. And so if the situation seems hopeless and like it's not going to change, what do we do? We hightail it out of town. Come on. We quit. We give up. But what I say as soon as I walked up here, I had you declare these words. Just hold on, just hold on. How I love that! I'm holding. anybody in a anybody in a, in a holding state right now. You know when you call you call a place of business and they got to put you on that music hold. They'll say hold please, and you and you have this nice beautiful music playing. How many knows that Jesus, when God tells you you're in a holding pattern, he didn't always provide lovely music for you to listen to. No, you have a a silence, and we get get frustrated in the silence, and we start creating other noise, or we allow other noise because we don't like silence. When the Bible says, if you'll just be still and know that I am God, I will see you through this thing. So how should we? How should we respond? If we're Christians, if we're followers of Christ, how should we respond through seasons uh, uh, of a loss or, or seasons, of uh, uh, a tough season? How should we respond as a Christian? Or let, me, let me preference it this way. Just being a Christian won't necessarily change how we respond to tough situations, but the time that we intentionally spend with God will. Can I, can I say that again? Just being a Christian just just being a follower of Christ won't necessarily change how you and I respond to that guy pulling out in front of us. Hello. But my time spent with God in his word will change how I, what, what response I give. Because my response to the guy that pulled out in front of me in, front of, uh, in Archer, y'all remember that story, was to go track him down to his house and ask him what was wrong with him. But, but, but my time in God's word and then the assistance of my beautiful wife, who was in the passenger seat, said, you need to calm down. <laughs> See, she's my helpmate. And, and, and sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak through her. That was a good time for all the ladies to go, amen. Husbands, just sit tight. We'll, we'll have something for them in a minute. Y'all know how we do. Last week, we looked at this story in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I'm going to go back there again. So if you brought your Bibles, let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I'm, I, last week, I, I kind of gave you some details. But I'm going to start at verse 1 and uh, read 1 through 11. And then I'll skip uh, and, and hit 16 through 19. Just to kind of give you exactly what's happening in this story. So it said three days later. Everybody say three days Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and uh, Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they couldn't weep no more. Anybody ever been there before? When you, you're, just, you're just at, you're literally, you've you, 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 you poured everything out and you don't know what the next move should be. They wept until they couldn't weep anymore. David's two wives... Hinam and Jezreel and Abigail, excuse me, from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel. Man, I'm so glad we got normal names these days. (laughs) Anyway, uh, they were among those captured. David was now in great danger. Everybody say danger. David was now in great danger because all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. Then he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, Yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. So David and his six hundred men set out, and they came to the brook Bazor. <laughs> That's like Bazaar. Bazor. But two hundred of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. So David continued the pursuit with four hundred men. So they get back home and they find out everything has been destroyed. And, 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 and we're going to pick this up. I'm going to skip down to verse 16. But what I'm leaving out in verse 11, and I, I encourage you to go back. But what I'm leaving out in these verses right here is these. So they started with 600 men. 200 of them were exhausted. So now he has 400. And, they, and they're on their way. And they run into this Egyptian guy in the field. Now, as they're learning who this guy is, This guy introduces himself as as one of the slaves of the Amalekites who just destroyed David and his men's home. He does not know who, according to Scripture, we don't see it. The Egyptian doesn't know who who they are, that he just destroyed their, their, their home and stole their wives. He ran away from his master. And he tells them, he tells, matter of fact, in the story, he tells them what he just did. I just went, he, and he, I just went and destroyed, I'm trying to get this right. <laughs> he goes and destroys this, 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 this place, Ziglag. And he has no idea that these are the men whose homes he just destroyed. But he said, and David said, can you take me to the Amalekites? And he said, yes, but don't, but don't, but don't make me go back to my master. Isn't it odd how God will even use the enemy to get you to your breakthrough? Let me read this, verse 16. So he led David to them, and they found the Amalekites spread out across the fields, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder that they had taken from the Philistines and the land of Je- Uh, Judah, David and his men rushed in among them and slaughtered them throughout the night and the entire next day until evening. None of the Amalekites escaped. This was actually comical for me. None of the Amalekites escaped except for 400 men who fled on camels. You ever seen a camel? You ever seen a camel run? They're like a turtle. They escaped on a camel. Okay, anyway. It says, David got back everything that the Amalekites Amalekites had taken, and he rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nothing else that had been taken. David brought everything back. So David found himself in a tough spot. They arrived back home. Everything was completely destroyed. In less than 24 hours, the men who, was, who, who had been going to war with, with him, to battle with him, who said, David, you're so great, you're going to be the next king, will follow you in less than 24 hours because circumstances had changed. They now want to kill the guy that they were once supporting. Anybody ever had friends like that? They love you. They don't agree with something. And now they want to stone you. It's not usually stoning today. It's more like I'm going to blast you on Facebook. <laughs> What's David going to do? He desperately needs to turn this thing around. Now, you may be sitting there going, man, that, that's, that's a crazy story. Maybe you don't have it. Maybe you don't have. Maybe you've never been put in a position where somebody's trying to kill you. But maybe you're in a tough season right now. Maybe you just came through a tough season. Maybe there's a tough season that's waiting on you on Thursday of this week coming up. You just don't know it yet. That's why, that's why I believe it is that that God drew you here today because He wants to equip you for the battle. Maybe you're experiencing an unsurmountable amount of pressure. Maybe your circumstances are pushing you to the breaking point. I don't know what you're facing. But I do know that God has given us the tools and instructions through his word that will get us through any tough season and we will come, on, come out on the other side stronger and full of faith if we do it his way. So last week, I gave you the very first thing that we're supposed to do when life gets out of control. And I gotta be honest, this first step is completely um, contrary to what society tells us we need to do. Society tells us when things get tough, let go. When marriage gets tough, let go. When you experience something, some hurt in the church, let go. But God's word says, and this is what David did, and it was point number 1 from last week hold on hold on hold on to what hold on to Jesus if you missed last week write this down there there uh, was a, 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 a quote by Abraham Lincoln that said be sure your feet excuse me put be sure you put your feet in the right place then stand firm make sure that you're, what you're standing on standing on is a firm foundation you see how he's just tying all this together? Be sure where you're standing and your opinion, and wh- is, it's, on a, it's on what God would do and what he says. And then once you assess, this is where God wants me, stand firm. Amen. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, come here, real quick. Jump up here. In society, I'm not, I'm one, we didn't talk about this. Let's just see what happens. In society, when, when troubles come, we got too many Christians, relax. <laughs> we got too many Christians that are just moved. They're just moved. They can't stand firm. They're just moved. They read something on Facebook, and, and, and their faith is shifted. And you see, I'm just pushing him all, every... I, I, he's, the, he's the puppet. The enemy is the puppeteer. The devil is the puppet. There's a step right there. Watch me. Watch me now. This is a picture of what the enemy, he's just having fun. He's having having fun with Christians just playing uh, the puppeteer. And we're we're just we're entertainment for the world. Because we can't get stand firm because we're not getting in his word. We're believing everybody else's opinion and what they think the translation of the word is. Hello. Thank you, sir. Your dad did the same message. Dad did the same message. Hold on to Jesus. <laughs> Man, I'm talking about holding on to God until you get your breakthrough. Don't just pray, God, heal this sciatic nerve one time. You, I got to keep on it and let him know, hey, I, this is still bothering me. It's actually gotten better as I'm up here, by the way. I'm talking about get a hold of God and don't let go until you get your breakthrough. Number two, to hold on. We're holding on to community. I'm just just relaying some groundwork, and then we're fixing to take off. Hold on on to community. Surround yourself with people who want to see you win, people who will push you towards God. Just in, in 30 seconds, assess your circle of friends. And do you have conversations about God with them? Don't answer out loud. That's a rhetorical question. Do you have conversations about God with them? Do they push you towards you becoming who, the man or woman that God wants you to be? Can you call them in the middle of the night and say, hey, can you pray with me and you're confident that they're actually going to war on your behalf? Can you, can you say that? If you can't, it's time to readjust. I'm not saying that you, ha- you can't befriend them, but they shouldn't be in your inner circle. Hello. Hold on to community. Listen, you don't need a lot of friends, contrary to what Facebook status tells you. They're creating apps so you can have all of these followers so people will think you're something because you got more followers. You don't need a lot of friends. You just need a few good ones. You don't need a lot of friends, young people, students. You just need a few good ones. Surround yourself with people who are going to push you forward into the, to that, to that thing that God is calling you to, to be. David had no one. He was surrounded by 600 guys that was, oh, David, you're the, you're the man. But now, because circumstances got rough on us, we want to kill you and you're responsible. So, David surrounded himself. He broke away and he, and he went to the priest, just a small group of friends. The third one thing we have to hold on to is the future. Remember, the enemy doesn't necessarily attack you because of who you are, but he will attack you on because of what you're becoming, who God is calling you to be. That's what, it's what's inside of you that he's trying to, to, to diminish. There's a place that God is trying to bring each one of us into, and the enemy will stop at nothing to make sure that we don't arrive. Let me also say this, be cautious, <clears throat> be cautious that you don't limit yourself through small thinking. Just write that down. That's going to make sense in a little bit. Uh, let me say it this way. Don't measure or compare where God is trying to take you based on where you've been. Let me talk to the people who have been in church for a long time. Experience mighty moves of God. listen. If, you, if, you're, if you're comparing now to then, you're cheapening God. Yeah, come on. And you forgot the verse that says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And you cannot put new wine into old wine skins or they will burst and both are destroyed. God is trying to do something new, therefore I need to be a new vessel. I don't need to be the Bradley of, of, of my childhood, even though I am today who I am because of that. But if I'm comparing now to then, I'm cheapening what God is trying to do, and I'm going to miss out. So don't compare where you've been on where he's taking you, and don't compare where he wants to take you on what you've been through. In other words, mistakes that we've made, uh, choices that we made that we know don't glorify God, don't compare where he's taking you based on your your, your stupid choices, uh, my stupid choices. I can't go, God, there's no way you can call me back to Chiefland to lead a church when I've done this. So hold on to the future, you. And I said this last week, and I'm going to move on that your past is not a prediction of your future. Your past is not a prophecy of where God is taking you. Hold on to hope. Hold on to God. All right, so that was the point number 1 was to hold on. What do we do when life gets tough? Hold on. Here's point number 2 of the entire series. Number 2, get in the presence of God. I have so enjoyed, and it won't be every Sunday, but I have enjoyed the past few weeks being able just to sit there and worship and not have the responsibility of leading. And I listened to you guys today. I, I consciously was listening to your voices in the presence of God. It's glorious. <laughs> it's amazing. Some of you are getting it. Number two, get in the presence of God. I said this last week, significant seasons require you to to seek God significantly. When you're going through something tough, it's going to take more than just a little bit. If you're believing for God for a lot, he needs to get a lot of you. I'll give you five, God, but then I got to (laughs) go. And I ain't talking about high 5s i I'm talking about you know how we roll. I'm going to give you five. I'm going to set an alarm. And if if you ain't moved, I'm moving. I'm moving on. At last I can see. Life has been patiently waiting. Any Rascal Flat fans? Y'all don't even know that song, do you? Good Christians. Good Christians. Good Christians. I'm just missing. They're all good Christian guys. I was just playing. So in 1 Samuel... We see where David approaches. I'm tying this together, get in the presence of God. Where David asked the priest for the ephod. Everybody say ephod. The ephod was a garment that the high priest could wear when they would go into the holy place. You can, you can actually Google this, and it's, it's a garment that they would, there's actually two kinds of, of ephods. There was one that, the, that the, the, the priest would wear, and then there was the, the other one that has all these stones and beautiful things on it that he would wear to go into the, it, it was a symbol of he was going into the presence of God. He was going into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. But see, that's the old covenant. He dwells in you now. to get this the ephod represents prayer again what what, what do i do i gotta hold on to god i gotta get into his presence you gotta ask for an ephod now i'm not we're not gonna be that church that's gonna wear the garment hello we're not gonna be that we're not gonna get into all that but i got but what did the ephod represent it represented that he's he's going in now this was odd that david would ask for the ephod because the ephod belonged. it was only to be worn by the high priest which david was not But it was a symbol of the new covenant that was to come that anybody could go in. Y'all remember the story where David, they said David danced it out of his clothes into his underwear. It wasn't, that's not what was, that's not really what was really going on. He asked for the, he asked for the priestly robe back then. And the, what was the reason he said, it looks like you're losing your mind is because you're doing something that the covenant says you're not supposed to be doing. I'm just teaching just a little bit, but but, in other words, God is calling us to break outside of uh, uh, traditional structure. What's, what's happening here is so important for us to get. David was saying, listen, he's saying, I'm not moving. Give me the ephod. He looked at his priest. Now, y'all remember the story of David and Goliath? I'm sure that he, somewhere in the room where he was, Goliath's sword was probably laying around. So if, you, if he looked at the priest and said, I'm going to need that, And in the background, you saw Goliath's sword. Bro, you can have whatever you want. (laughs) Huh? But David was saying, I'm not moving until I get a personal word from God. He needed needed a decision. He's got 600 men who were once for him, now want to kill him. And he's like, "I, I, I... I feel like I'm supposed to go, but but God, what am I supposed to do? Give me the ephod. I got to get in the presence of God and I got to find out what should my next move be? He was saying, I need a big decision, but I'm not going to make it without God. He was saying, I'm not moving until I know God has told me it's time to move. And this is the steps you're to take. I want to speak to anyone in this room this morning or anyone listening online that if you've got some big decision coming up that you've got to make, hear me, don't, you don't have to make that move on your own. Yeah, you think, you, I, I, I guarantee you, those of you know that know our story, when we made the decision after years of dad saying, hey, don't you feel led to come back to Chiefland?" And I, my answer was always, no, I do not. <laughs> no offense, but I just, I didn't. But when I started feeling the tug, even though I knew it was God, we still prayed as a family. Are you sure, God? I'm getting ready to give up this salary, these benefits, all this. I mean, I had it all laid out, both of us. God, this has to be you. We're not moving unless it's you. Let me break this down. That's when you got to go, well, should we we sell our house and, and buy this house? I don't know. Pray about it. See, that should be our new lingo. Pray about it. That should be our new catchphrase. More than a catchphrase. It should be something we live by. Should, should I sell this car and buy it? I don't know. Pray about it. Let, that should be your go-to every time. Big decision, small decision. But the more time you spend with him, the more you're going to know what his answer is going to be. Because you know, you know the father. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice. The problem is, we be trying to put, the sheep be trying to put words in the, in the shepherd's mouth that he didn't say. Amen. Amen. You ever dated somebody and you wonder how in the word you got in there? I need all my married people to look right here because I don't need y'all going, yep, I married him. But I'm serious. Have you ever done something that you knew wasn't God and you got there and goes, what in the world happened? It's because you didn't really pray about it. And maybe you did pray about it, but still your selfish desire puts you where you are. And had you listened to God, you could have avoided the mess you're in. Amen. I'm talking to me, by the way, because I've been in a lot of mess and I ain't nobody else responsible. She wasn't responsible. It was me. You can be married and be a team and still try to try to be the quarterback and the running back and the linebacker. You can try to run the whole thing or she sits on the sideline. Hello. Just a little sports analogy there. I know some of y'all are like thought we was in church. <clears throat> you don't have to make the decision on your own. The Bible says that you and I are now priests unto our God. We can go boldly to the throne. I'm talking about getting alone with God and getting a word that you can stand on and then move. The Bible says that David put on the ephod and, and he inquired of the Lord. You, you, we just read it. God, he said, I can't do this without you. What do I do about this situation? David didn't bring a sword. He didn't bring a shield. He didn't bring a bow and arrow. He said, he, he didn't ask for any of those things. He said, bring me the ephod. See, the bow and arrow would represent, I can do this on my own. I've already slain Goliath. Surely I can, ta- surely I can do this. He said, I, perhaps I could. But for this, I need to know, God, what should my next move be? I know I'm I'm drilling this down because I feel like there's some people in here that you're on the verge of having to make a decision. And if you hear nothing else, you hear this preacher say, pray about it. Get in the presence of God. Find out what he wants for your life. And avoid setbacks. Because doing it on your own, your own way, you're guaranteed without Christ. It doesn't mean you're you're not going to, you can't get there, but a setback requires you to now take a detour. It took us a long, a long time to get here. Just bringing this thing full circle right here. David had some decisions to make in the natural, but ultimately what he was saying was, I'm, starting, I'm not going to start in the natural. I'm going to start in the supernatural. I'm going to start by getting with God. I've got some moves that I need to make, but I'm not moving according to my flesh. I'm going to move when God says it's time. I got a battle that I'm gonna, I need to fight, but this is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. In worship, this is how I fight my battle. This in worship says, I still got this. This in worship says, that's beautiful music, but nobody in this room knows what I'm going through. Nobody in this room knows what I've done. Nobody in this room knows what I've said to my spouse. But this says, God, I said those things. I did those things. Nobody else needs to know. But God, I surrender all. This is how I fight my battles. See, you're going to win with God. What David decided was, oh, I'm going to win, but I'm going to win in private before God allows me to win in public. For David, he refused to move until he got a word from God. I love how Proverbs 21, 31 says that. I don't even think this is going to be on the screen, but I, I dropped it in here where it talks about if you, it, you that, that you can prepare for the battle, but it, you can prepare for the battle, but it is the Lord that brings the victory. Because, why? How, how's that? Because it's the battle belongs to the Lord. I mean, off the crazy stuff that I went through in my life. If I heard my dad say that once, I heard him say it a thousand times. It's not your fight. The battle belongs to the Lord, and He'll let you fight in your own strength. He'll let you get tired and beat down in your own strength. But you got to let the let the Lord fight for you. Everybody say, pray about it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Honey, what's for dinner? I don't know. Let's pray about it. That sounds funny, but let's get it, let's get it in there. Let, let's, 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 learn to, let's learn to know that that's the first thing we go to. So when life gets tough, we need to hold on. When life gets tough, we need to get in His presence. Here's the final point. This is it. Y'all ready? Man, wow. Y'all gonna... Never mind. Y'all gonna beat the Baptist to the, to the restaurant today. Can y'all believe that? I'm just... <laughs> That's just a little church joke, man I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying Because you know, they know I was joking Let me just move on Because y'all took that way too serious That was supposed to be funny <laughs> Number three I'm fixing to do this, too. (laughs) After that, I'm fixing to do this. Number three, prepare to recover all. It's all about recovery. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Prepare to recover all. Whatever you've lost, whatever the enemy has stolen from you. And sometimes it's not that he took it. It's just you can't see it. You know why you can't see it? you got you to get in his, in his Word. See, his word, his word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. When you get in His Word, things that we didn't know were there and available to us, that were available to us the whole time, but we couldn't see it because we were living in darkness. But if the enemy has stolen from you, according to the God's Word, I believe that... If it, is, if it is God's will and though that thing will profit us and I talked a little bit about that OCD sorry I had to put it back in place or, uh, that, 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 that if, if it's not something that God wants for us that's why it's important that we say God is this for me because uh-huh. we could be praying for something that it's what we want but it's not what he wants yeah. but I believe according to scripture we can recover all everybody say recover all in closing when you've been through a a season where things got tough and and you followed the steps of holding on to God and, and you spent time getting in his presence and now you're believing God to recover some things that got lost if God spoke to you and told you that that relationship would be recovered that that marriage could be recovered that those finances would be recovered here's what i want you to do cuz recovery looks different in every situation in every situation if god te- if god's telling you that marriage can be restored that relationship can be can be reconciled listen I want you to pursue recovery, pursue it but let God define what the recovery looks like. Because I don't, I don't know, what, I don't know what, what, what recovery looks like for you on the other side of divorce. I know what recovery looked like for me on the other side of divorce. Divorce is destructive. I don't, know what, I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what recovery will look like now that you've made the decision, you and your spouse, to work things out in your marriage. I don't know what recovery looks like. But the reason I'm saying let God define it, most of the time, I mean, I'm saying believe for it and pray for it and prophesy over it, but let God define it. Here's why. Because you're probably thinking too small About what it should look like You're on the other side of divorce And and now you're single again And nobody could possibly love me now You're thinking too small You're basically saying There's no way that God could ever bring somebody I mean, I messed up running after the creation more than the creator i didn't get big into drugs and and alcohol but 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 girls in my teenage years i could have said i've screwed up because by by the way most churches tell you that you washed up oh you're gonna make it to heaven Well, then basically what you're telling me, friend, is that the blood wasn't enough. It's going to get me to heaven, but it can't create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. And God can't use my jacked upness to help somebody else miss hell and make heaven. I'm sorry. That's not the Bible. If I continued to think small that there would be nobody else for me, I would have missed the greatest gift that God ever blessed me with. And she's right there. So you can't convince me that my bad mistake is is all I, is my, is my, is the end of my story. And I'm telling you, friends, your mistakes and the things that you've done, and you're not hearing condemnation from me today. What I, you are hearing is that God can make all things new. He's not through writing your story. He's not through blessing you. Hold on to Jesus, to community and the future that God has, has spoken to you. And t- this is gonna be you. So per- pursue recovery, but let God define what it looks like. I believe, I, I believe that for you today. Because this is our God. They're going to lead us that song on the way out. This is our God. This is who he is. And this is what he does. This wasn't just me to come up here and, and give you some inspiration. No, no, no. This is God. This is God. This is God. This is God. This is who he is. And this is what he does. and baby this is our God look this is who he is this is what he does you know the road that we've we've walked to get here but this is him and church there's nothing I promise you there's nothing special about these two because most days I get it wrong God has more for you, church. God has more for you, church. God has more for you, church. This is our God. This is who He is. And this is what He does. Worship team, come. This is a declaration of faith that I want to give you. And you can write this down before you put your notes up. Here it is. God is restoring. God is recovering. And the best is yet to come. God is restoring. God is recovering. And the best is yet to come. If you're here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, <clears throat> I never plan how the end of the service is gonna go. The team will tell you that. We have an idea, but I always listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he said. If you're here this morning and the only thing that you can relate to everything that I said was making jacked up choices and decisions and you have felt like where you are is where you're going to be stuck the rest of your life hear, hear this pastor, hear this preacher hear, this, hear, the, hear, hear Bradley that's a lie if you're here and you go that's me today B. that's me would you just raise your hand you say, I, I, I relate to that. I've messed up and I have, I have, I have believed a lie that this is all it is. It's a lie. Because he's a God of restoration. He's a God of recovery. And the best is yet to come. If you're here this morning in the final moments that we have and you have never accepted Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, never, ever, ever, and you want to do that today, I want to pray for you right where you are. If that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to count to three. You've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life and you want Him, you, you, want, you just want to commit your life from this day forward to Him. When I count to three, I want you to shoot your right hand up just as fast as you can. Bradley, I want to know that if I died tonight, that I would wake up in heaven. I want to make things right with the one who created me. I want to repent for the things that I've done. I want. I want. I want to. I want to be that. I want to be all, all that God wants me to be. I want to be that. Will you pray for me? One, two, three. For the very first time, you've never accepted Jesus, but today you want to know that you know that you know. Keep them up. Keep those hands up. Keep those hands up. If you're listening on Facebook Live and you're wanting, to be, you're wanting special prayer as well, you, you, can, you can go, hey, that's me. You just put it in the comments. you on our leadership team will reach out to you. You just say, hey, that's me. Will you pray for me? You can say the same prayer. You can say the same prayer together with everybody in this room. And this is what we're gonna say. We're gonna say it together. Say, oh God. Come on, let's say it in loud, loud and clear. Oh God, I come before you today confessing my sins. I'm truly sorry for my sins. I believe that your only son, Jesus, died for me on the cross at Calvary. I believe that he conquered sin and he conquered death and he conquered the devil so that I could be made free. Today, God, be my Lord, be my Savior, be my deliverer, be my comforter, and be my peace. Come into my heart. Make all things new. I commit my life to you today. And for the rest of my life, I will choose to live and honor you. In Jesus' name. Listen, guys, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, the Bible declares that old things are passed away. If you meant that in your heart, you are a new creation. You may feel, you may not feel different, but I'm telling you, it starts from the inside and he works on the out. Inside out. Inside out. If you're visiting and you don't have a home church, this is a great, I'm not saying you have, what what do I do? What's my next steps? What do I, what, what do I do? You get connected to a community of believers who will help push you and guide you and lead you. Because sometimes we need to be pushed. Hello towards the, the, the calling that God has for us and I'm just telling you if you attend this church you, we're family we believe in you we believe that, that God has the, the more in store for you than what you, where you are right now if you don't have a Bible get a Bible we've got some that we can provide for you brand new That's been purchased by by members of of our congregation, of this family. There's Bible apps. There's no reason why we can't study and learn God's Word. It's just too available for us. The problem is we just get too busy. And then wonder why we're in a mess. You are loved. You are valued. You're God's kid. You're God's man or woman of God. That's you. They're getting ready to sing it I'm going to invite you to stand and we're gone after this song we're gone I'll meet you out the door let's stand listen listen I I love it I love it as we're we're singing this chorus together look around the room this is our God this is our God this is who he is this is what he does and he loves us come on as they're starting that track just say he loves me he loves me just as I am Amen. This is our God. Well, thanks again for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. For more content from Release City or just to stay connected with us, be sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms at Release City Church or through our website at releasecitychurch.org. We love you. And until next time,